Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of It's All About the Questions. And we are here today with somebody that... um, We've had we had to reschedule during his book launch due to some flight stuff that he had going on, and then as everybody knows, my mom passed away, and this show books out so far in advance, and we've just been working so hard to get him on the show because what my guest talks about is game changing. With everything going on in the world today, this book needs to be in your right right by your on your desk. It should. Just never leave your side. It is that amazing a book. It's transformed my way of thinking since the first moment I picked it up. His first book, Flash Foresight, with my dear friend John David Mann, was a New York Times bestseller. Totally revolutionary as well. I, I subscribe, subscribe to um, the, my guest's newsletter list because I get such amazing things out of it every week. Please welcome, without further ado, Daniel Burris to the show, everybody. Hey, thank you for having me on. Oh, it's so great to have you here, Daniel. Uh, you know, it's it's fascinating to me the way connections happen and how you meet people. And then because you meet somebody, you shift your perceptions about yourself, about business, about life in general. And there, there's no one greater that I know right now today to shift thinking about what's happening in the world then you and your book, The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. I mean, it, it blew my mind. Honestly, it did. Well, thank you. You know, one of the things that uh, uh, I want to point out is that it's called The Anticipatory Organization, which makes it sound like it's not for an individual. But as you know, it is for an individual. And the reason I call it The Anticipatory Organization is because an organization is made up of individuals. And if there's only one individual in an organization that's anticipatory, they're not going to be that happy. So it's better at, because the rest will be crisis managing, putting out fires, and uh, and so on. So the idea is let's get more than one, and let's. And, and I know you read my last uh, book, Flash Foresight, uh, which again I was very happy was a bestseller on all the lists. And what anticipatory organization does is really operationalizes that for an organization, as well as adding a lot of great new uh, strategies, both for businesses and for individuals. The the bottom line, Laura, is I'm teaching what I call the missing competency. And that is, right now, we're really good at fast reacting, because we know change keeps accelerating. And fast reacting is called agility. And uh, every all companies think, Agile is the answer. Of course, you know, they come up with new answers all the time. But remember, agility is reacting quickly to a problem after it occurs. It's reacting quickly to a disruption after you're disrupted. And it's reacting quickly to competitors that uh, have come up with a whole new way, or you've just lost your job because of some shift in the market. So what I'm doing is instead of reacting fast, which has less value every year because technology is creating and speeding change up, we need to get out in front and learn how to anticipate problems before they happen. So you can pre-solve them. 
anticipate disruptions before they disrupt, so that now disruption becomes a choice. And whether it's our job or whether it's our business or whether it's our industry or whatever we're working on, and they also anticipate the game changers that are all there for us to see when you learn how. And that's what I am. I'm a teacher. I want to teach people to be able to do this. Yeah. Your, over the course of your career, you've received so many accolades. I mean, it, it's amazing. One of my favorites is the fact that you've predicted more things that have happened than anybody else, especially in terms of, of technology. I kind of feel like you've given us in both Flash Foresight and the anticipatory organization those techniques to do it ourselves Yet so many of us stop ourselves. We don't like believe that we can predict the future reliably enough to actually make that leap to make change. Why do you think that is? Well, you know, just to step back from that, you know, whatever problem you've got, whatever thing, barrier, whatever it is, uh, the way to find the solution is to start by looking in the mirror just so that you can clearly see the problem. And because the problem is how we think about these things. It's the uh, how we judge things, because judgment keeps us from seeing amazing opportunities. Uh, and our perceptions, we think we have to do something. Uh, for example, I've started six companies. Five were profitable in the first year. Four were national leaders in the first year. The first company had 37 national locations. I actually came up with an airplane design. I was the test pilot for it. It was amazingly successful. And, you know, a lot of people would say, well, you, you need to get on Shark Tank. You need to get uh, angel investors. I didn't do that at all. I started out as a teacher teaching biology and physics. So, obviously, I didn't have any money. What I did was I used some of the principles that I'm teaching, like taking your biggest problem and skipping it. And a lot. so, in other words, we think we have to do things. And I would say, oh, really? You think you have to do that? Maybe you really don't. You think you have to wait five years before you do your dream job? Why are you waiting five years? That's five years that you could have been doing your dream job. You see, it's, it's getting rid of those mental barriers, and it's amazing when you clear that it's what you can do. There's a, a quote from your first book, um, Flash Foresight. Uh, you said, to a startling extent, in other words, our vision of the future is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Change your view of the future, and you direct your future. Yeah, you know, it's really powerful. What I do when I'm, because uh, I've given probably 2,800 keynote speeches around the world uh, over the last 35 years and, and done a lot of consulting and so on. And really what I'm doing is managers change how people behave. Leaders change how people think without telling them what to think. In other words, what I'm doing is changing how people think, because if you change how you think, you can change your results. And there's an old saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always had. That's now out. Throw that out. I'll give you a new one. If you do what you've always done, you'll get less of what you've always had. Why? The world's changing. Have you noticed? And you have to ask yourself, am I learning as fast as my customers are learning? Am I changing as fast as my customers are changing? And by the way, I'm not just talking to business people now. Does a doctor have a customer? And the answer is yes. Does a teacher have a customer? And the answer is yes. You see, you have to expand your definition of these things for you to really dimensionalize what it all means. There's two things that happened within the last two days that 
I'd like to talk about in relationship to the anticipatory organization and, and some things that I've, I've got pages and pages of notes all over my at the radio station right now because there's so much I want to talk about. But what you just talked about, about changing things, and, and this is about everybody. So yesterday it got announced or over the weekend that Strata released data from all these fit devices that is showing where our military is and other secure sites that might potentially put people in in harm's way. When the Fitbits and things were created, nobody thought that anybody would use the data in a way that could harm somebody. They just wanted to disrupt the industry and create a way, and the Pentagon wanted their military to be fit. This morning, there was an announcement that Amazon, J.P. Morgan Chase, Berkshire Hathaway announced plans to create a healthcare company focused not on profits, but on helping people get well. And we know they did it because they also have to lower their health care costs and, and help their people go. How does, when you look at those two situations, Daniel, how does that relate to what you're talking about? Because, I mean, they did something and now it's changing again. Yeah, well, there's a couple of elements in there. Number one, um, there anybody that's ever been in a company and you've launched something, you do what's called the post-mortem, meaning what worked and what didn't work, so that you can learn. Um, but if you're anticipatory, what I teach is I like to do a pre-mortem. In other words, I'd like to find out why it's not going to work before I launch it uh, and solve pre-solve all those predictable problems. So if I am in the military and I'm saying, okay, I can wear a Fitbit, I'm going to be thinking, well, is security an issue? Now, see, if security is not on your mind, you think, sure, let them wear that, let them have smartphones, let them do whatever they want. But we already know security is on their mind. They just weren't thinking about it when they add something new in there. Um, and I'm talking about the strata situation that you mentioned. By the way, if you pay attention, you can see opportunity. What is the gigantic opportunity that just happened in the news because of strata? And that is creating a Fitbit-type uh, watch or you know, device for exercise that is on a secure network so that the military can use it. In other words, designed for the military because they'd like to do it. Wow, somebody's going to make a lot of money because all those people would like to do that. They just need something that's secure. So all of a sudden, whoa, you got opportunity instead of crisis. Um, so there, so first of all, there's a way to see an opportunity. Secondly, because uh, whenever there's a problem, you've got to see the opportunity. Let me give you another one that doesn't exist that we. I'm going to give somebody out there an idea that you should do right now. We just had those mudslides in uh, California where the fires were. And, uh, and of course, people lost their lives and did a lot of damage. Uh, well, the next time we get a big rain, we're going to have another mudslide. Mud and the mud doesn't go in the same place. It might move in a different direction. Why don't we be anticipatory? We know that's going to happen. Why don't we learn how to help people and create some, uh, some new opportunity? We should be developing a app, a mobile app, that anybody living in that part of California can have and by putting acoustic sensors, which is just sound monitoring, around all of those hills and mountains that uh, have lost their foliage from the fire, you can actually sense the acoustics of moving 
soil, and you can tell exactly where it is and where it's moving, and you could give alerts ahead of time. You could say, hey, this is going to happen. You could get people off the highway. You could get people, wow, wouldn't that be great? See, by the way, you could do that right now. You don't need new tools. You don't need new technology. The key is when we hear about something that's a problem, there's tons of opportunity for us. Let's go back to the Berkshire Hathaway announcement. And, and actually, I'm going to let you do that after our first commercial break. We'll be right back with more from Daniel Burris. Success comes from not only what you know, but also who you know. Welcome back to It's All About the Questions with award-winning author Laura Stewart. If you're listening to us live and you just joined us, you're going to want to get this on podcast because Daniel just shared a, a great app that will make somebody a lot of money plus a potential for another business that will make somebody a lot of money if they take action on it. Um, Daniel, you started to talk about the Berkshire Hathaway, J.P. Morgan Chase, Amazon before the news. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Actually, uh, I've been working with uh, a number of major players in the healthcare field, including <clears throat> some of the largest drug companies and insurance companies. And what I've been talking about is we have a disconnected healthcare ecosystem, completely disconnected. Um, and let's take uh, drugs for example. When you sell a drug. Um, and uh, a doctor prescribes it, the drug company's out of the loop now. I mean, they've done everything they need to do. It's passed all the tests. They've delivered it well, and uh, it's up to the doctor to prescribe it correctly, and it's up to the, uh, let's say, the pharmacy to make sure that whoever's taking that drug doesn't have interactions. But they are not connected. They're not talking. They're not communicating. Why? Because we're charging for the drug. Uh, so one of the things that I've introduced, uh, which is already being tried, by a couple of drug companies is to charge for the outcome instead of charge for the drug. Because when you charge, and by the way, that's one of the principles I teach in the book, the anticipatory organization. Opposites work better. Let's do the opposite. So if we charge for the outcome instead of the drug, now the drug company really wants to make sure the doctor prescribes the right drug to the right person uh, because they're going to get their money from the outcome. Uh, now the doctor and the drug company are going to want to make sure that the pharmacy is not only looking at the current drugs that the patient is taking, but the over-the-counter drugs as well to make sure there's no problems. And we're going to want to make sure that we don't have a problem like the op opioid ec epidemic that we have now, and that is creating the smart pill box. By the way, let's talk about that because that's another little opportunity anybody listening could do. And let's, uh, coming back to this opioid thing, and that is, you know that you could have a 4K, the smallest 4K camera right now that can be made, can be 3D printed, and it's the size of a fly's eye. Well, that's pretty small. I could put that on a smart pill box, and if you got to take the pill on Monday, the other little doors are closed. It only, only Mondays opens up, and we can tell if it's grandma or junior. If it's junior, hey, can't get in. If it's grandma, you know, they've got visual recognition. Oh, that's grandma. It can open today. And... Um, in other words, all of a sudden you can get security, you can get all these things done. So I suggested uh, last year that we get in touch with the people that they're seeing as the competition. So drug companies and others see Amazon and others as the competition. And I'm saying, well, you know, Abraham Lincoln had a great quote. He said the best way to defeat an enemy is to make him a friend. Really, these aren't enemies. These are friends. We just got to get a connected ecosystem and reinvent and redefine, which is part of what I teach in the book. So actually, it's no surprise that that's happening in the news because the current system does not fit where we're going. 
that which fits where we've been. In other words, it fits the rearview mirror of our life, not the windshield. So, which no is another surprise. great thing in your book. <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, yeah, in the book, one of the things I say: Why is your windshield larger than your rearview mirror? And it helps to know what's up ahead. So, when most of us are thinking about the future, we're using our past perspective, our past experience, which has served us well up till now, but the world is changing so fast, it's serving us less well. So what we have to do really is take a look at what do we see. That comes to a concept, uh, another one I'll throw out there that's really powerful, and it fits everything we've talked about, and that's the concept of future view. Here's the concept. How you view the future, to a great extent, shapes how you act in the present. For example, right now there are people that are selling Apple stock. There are people that are buying Apple. Some people are getting into Bitcoin. Some people would never get into Bitcoin. Why? And it is their view of the future of Bitcoin or Apple or anything else. So how you view the future shapes how you act in the present. And by the way, how you act in the present shapes your future. In other words, your future view will determine the future you. So let's take retail right now. Uh, Let's say you're the CEO of multiple retail outlets, brick and mortar, and your future view of retail is, well, the good old days are behind us. What might you do? Well, based on that, you might close 174 stores. By the way, that's just what the CEO of Sears is doing. On the other hand, if you think the good old days of brick and mortar retail are ahead of us, they just don't look like the days behind us, you might buy Whole Foods. You might open up 100 brick and mortar bookstores even if your name is Amazon. By the way, that's what's happening. My point is, your future view will determine the future you, I believe. Every listener now, listen, you're listening to this program. Every one of us, our future view is based on a rearview mirror. When you blow away the fog and you see the mountain of opportunity in front of you, by learning how to separate the things we know will happen, we'll come up on that in a few minutes, the hard trends that are shaping the future, you'll see so much opportunity You'll not only get excited, you'll start shaping the future for yourselves and for others. All right. I want to talk about the hard trends, soft trends, because you, you just segged perfectly into it. I, I want to look at it in relation to something else you just said. You mentioned Sears. Sears essentially created the industry of people buying things without brick and mortar. The Sears catalog, perfect example of it. It was it was the thing that people in America used to buy things. I mean, I, I watch MASH all the time. They waited for the Sears catalog to arrive at the Korean War, at the Korean front, so that they could buy things and have it shipped to them. Yet Sears was unable to see this trend of it going away from the brick and mortar back to a catalog basic idea. But the catalog's now the internet. In relation to your concepts in the book of hard trends and soft trends, how does that fit? What were they missing? uh, Yeah, it fits really well. And, well, first of all, you said that uh, Flash Foresight was my other book. Actually, uh, I've written seven books. And if you go back to Technotrends, which came out in 1993. Excellent book, by uh, the way. (laughs) I love that book. If you go go back to Technotrends, one of the things I said in there, right? it was right in the book, was Blockbuster is busted. And if you read underneath it, I'm talking about uh, the shift to streaming video, and if you look at it, it's really what uh, Netflix did. And that was in 93. In other words, the future is there for us to see, and 
The two most important points in a person's life is the day you're born and the day you find out why you were born. I'm lucky I found out why I'm on the planet, and that is to teach. So here's how you can do it. I don't want to be the only guy that can accurately predict the future. I want all those books to because you can use that future view then to shape it. So here it is. Okay, and just there so are, you know, we have about a minute 30 to national news. Just giving you a heads you. up. I pre- I got it. I appreciate that. So let's talk about certainty and uncertainty coming up to the news. And that is, we think the only thing we can predict about the future is death and taxes. Yet we know there's going to be a full moon on the 31st. We know when the next full moon will be. Uh, we know there are sales cycles, weather cycles, biological cycles. There's over 500 known cycles that repeat. We also know there's another kind of change, and that is linear uh, exponential change. It's one way. It's not a cycle. Once you get a smartphone, you're not going back to a dumb phone. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk about how you can see the amazing predictability of the future, how amazingly predictable it is. You can't predict all of it, but it's amazing how much you can by separating the hard trends that are based on future facts that will happen for sure from the soft trends that are based on assumptions about the future that might happen. When you know the difference, it'll make all the difference. Uh, that one thing alone, I mean, there were so, I have so many dog-eared pages in this book, Daniel. It's, it's crazy, and <laughs> it just blew my mind. Even while I was going through the grief of losing my mom, it actually helped me see that mom dying wasn't the end for me. And I know that wasn't the intent of your book, but it helped me see a future. So thank you for that. And we'll be right back with more from Daniel Burris, author of The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart. If you're listening live on iHeartRadio, welcome back, everyone. If you're listening on the podcast, this was instantaneous since you didn't have to listen to the national news. I am here with Daniel Burris, author of The Anticipatory Organization, Turn Disruption and Change into Opportunity and Advantage. And um, Daniel, before the national news, I shared how your book helped me reenter the world, kind of saved me a little bit after my mom passed away. And it... There was so much in the book, but the, the, we, we promised our listeners that we would talk about hard trends and soft trends and why that distinction is so important to help you move forward. And uh, I know you're also going to share later on how people can get a free copy of your book. So, yay. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, once again, uh, our world change happens. And uh, at first... Before we get into hard trends and soft trends, the general thinking is people don't like change. But I would say, well, nonsense. Uh, humans are born loving change. Uh, babies cry until you change them. Um, they prefer rapid change. Why do we take vacations? Hey, I got to change. I got to get out of here. In other words, not all change is negative. The kind of change that is negative is the kind of change that impacts you personally and you didn't see it coming. Uh, when do people get burglar alarms? Well, after getting robbed, of course. Uh, we tend to crisis manage. What I want us to do is to be much better at opportunity managing, and that's how we come around to trends. There's no shortage of trends. Problem is, which ones are going to happen, which ones won't. So I've got a 
system that is quite simple, actually, and that's what makes it powerful for figuring that out. I call them hard trends and soft trends. So in other words, you can take any trend and you can figure out then, based on this, whether it's going to happen or not, and even a way to know when. Again, you can't predict everything. That's why agility is good. You do need to be able to react to things. You can't predict everything, but it's amazing how much you can predict. And strategy based on certainty has low risk. On the other hand, strategy based on uncertainty has high risk. So in a world that's so uncertain, i got to ask, what am I certain about? And that's where hard trends come in. So hard trends are based on future facts. They will happen. You can't stop them, but you can see them coming. On the other hand, soft trends are based on assumptions about the future, and they might happen. And the reason I love soft trends, don't like them, hey, you can change them. So let me give everybody an example right now, and then I'll give you the three categories of hard trends, because, again, it's not that difficult. I was speaking recently to several thousand uh, CEOs from healthcare, oddly enough. They were CEOs of hospitals in there, CEOs of also pharmacies and others. And, um, and before I spoke, before I gave the keynote speech, they, like all of us in the U.S., were looking at healthcare costs going up every year, been doing that for a long time, <clears throat> and seemingly it's unstoppable. In other words, that must be a future fact. And if you think it's unstoppable, you don't try to stop it. You don't try to change it. But yet, that's a soft trend. That can be changed. Uh, for example, we could right now use virtualization in the cloud uh, I won't get into the technologies, but we could use that to not just change but transform purchasing and logistics within all the hospitals in this country and literally flush billions, not millions, billions of dollars of waste out of the system and lower health care costs. Or we could use another technology called blockchain that brings increased security, transparency, and trust to a system of health care that has none of those things. Um, for example, right now, if you're in a hospital, you might be paying, paying 60 bucks for an aspirin. You don't know that. Well, that's why you said yes to the aspirin. But if you knew that, they wouldn't charge that for an aspirin and costs would come down. In other words, hard trends are important because you can see them coming. Soft trends are really great because you know what? You can change it. Matter of fact, earlier we talked about Fitbits. Let me give you an example of a soft trend that was at one time seen as hard before I, I arrived, and that is obesity. We've got increasing obesity. It's been going on for over 15 years. And a study was just done for the year 2025 to see how many people would be obese. And, by the way, it didn't look good. And, um, and so the reason for this study, how are we going to pay for that mess? But really, that's a soft trend. So one company that I know, they gave their employees Fitbits a couple years ago, and they have competitions with prizes, weekly competitions, what happened? Well, there's less people sick. They, a lot of people got off cholesterol drugs, lowered blood pressure, lost weight. In other words, the rest of the world can get fat, but we don't have to. Why? That's a soft trend. We can change it if we want to. So the soft trends are powerful. You can change it. It's not a future fact. It's an assumption. And a hard trend is something you can see ahead of time. Let me give you the three categories and so that people can understand it in a quick example. Perfect. And I'll let you, Laura, give me a heads up when we're getting close to a break. Okay. So first one is demographics. There's 78 million baby boomers in this country. Hard trend. They're going to get older. They're not going to get younger. They're going to continue to get older. Well, that gives us all sorts of opportunities. Uh, and by the way, problems that we can pre-solve or we can just wait 
and have them. For example, let's come up with another idea for any listener to make a lot of money. How about a smartwatch for seniors, 80 years old and older? Now, you might think they're not going to buy a smartwatch. Oh, yeah, they will. Well, they won't buy it, but you know who will buy it? You'll buy it for them. And why would you get it for them? Well, all of the watches today, all the smartwatches, as well as the smartphones, have a little accelerometer in it, a little thing that detects motion. So if 95-year-old grandma's watch rapidly moves five feet, what happened to grandma? Well, she fell. Does grandma need to know that? No, she's on the floor. You need to know it if it's your grandma. And let's say grandpa, it doesn't have Alzheimer's, but takes walks and gets lost every now and then and can't find his way home. How does he find his way home? He just asks his watch, hey, how do I get home? And his watch tells him. You see, I could go on and on. You get the idea. That could be huge because we got so many people getting older as the clock ticks. Well, that was uh, one of the so- things, Daniel, that really hit for me after my mom died and I read your book because it was like, Stop thinking about, as your rearview mirror thinking that you talk about in the book, and everybody, you're, we're going to tell you how you can get a copy of the book for free, but if not, just, just go buy this book you need to, was maybe I don't have to do what I used to do. Maybe what I learned taking care of my mom, my dad, my ex-husband, and myself, how can I use a hard trend that's happening, just like what you talked about? Let me give you two things I talk about in the book that I just I shared at a commencement speech uh, last June, and I think it fits for everyone right now. One is think big about your future. Think big about it and then realize you just thought small. There's a bigger big. Never do the big. Us do the bigger big. So get an eye. See, you're capable of so much more than you realize. Most of us are kind of coasting along. But we're, we're all smarter than we really realize. We just haven't really pushed ourselves to use it and to do it. But you know what? Right now, with, this, with all of the problems and all the issues and all the things going on, we, meaning the human race, needs every one of you to step up to the plate and to play your A game. Because we all need you. I don't care whether you're old. I don't care whether you're young. I don't care whether you have money or whether you don't have money. I think we can all pre-solve the problems we can all start shaping a future. Here's another thing I shared. Two, one other thing. I'll just quickly get out there. And I probably freaked all the parents out in the room when I said this at this commencement speech. I said, I don't want you to focus on being successful because success is all about you. It's inwardly focused. Instead of trying to be successful, I would like you to work at being significant. Because if you're significant, you're doing things for others that are significant, and you'll find yourself being successful by default. One is about you. The other is about them. So for you and for everyone else, what could you do? And think the bigger big on this. Be significant. And by default, you'll find yourself being quite successful. So that fits in with your idea of these hard trends and, and soft trends, because if you're not just worrying about being successful, being significant, you'll be able to detect the trends more or see them for what they are. Is that you can correct? Yes. What you get is from a hard trend is you get the confidence that certainty provides and the confidence to make a bold move because you understand something that if it can be done, it will be done. And if you don't do it, someone else will. So I thought, you know, it could be done. And it's amazing. I I mentioned there were uh, three categories. So we've got demographics is one. Another one is government regulation. 
Yeah. In other words, are we going to get more regulation around cybersecurity, even if the current administration doesn't like regulations? And the answer is, yeah, because there's some hard trends at play that we're going to have to address. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of a young woman turning that into an opportunity. Uh, real law in California that is a real one that was passed. In three years, all kindergartners and first graders in the state of California within three years are going to half their reading has to be nonfiction. By the way, all their reading is fiction today. And when you hear things like that, you get all upset. Why are they doing that? That sounds stupid. But, again, opposites work better. So a 28-year-old teacher in San Diego did the opposite, made three phone calls because she looked at what's the opportunity. She called the San Diego School District, San Francisco School District, the L.A. School District, and said, hey, you got three years to get half your reading for those little kids to be nonfiction. If I provided those books, would you be interested? And they said, yeah, we didn't know how we were going to do that. To make a long story short, they underwrote her company, became a guaranteed customer, and she didn't have to go on Shark Tank. <laughs> I <Why>? love it. <laughs> Why? Because she was using the concepts in this book. Third one uh, that I want to give you is technology. And again, you don't have to be a technologist. If you're older and you don't know anything about technology, good news. There's a whole bunch of young people that do. See, the young people don't know what to do with all these tools. So if you've got wisdom which is the benefit of being old. If you've got uh, knowledge and wisdom, you can't take a seminar on 20, 30 years of wisdom, um, and you apply that knowledge and wisdom and to, I, boy, it would be great if we could have that sensor to keep the mud from sliding. How am I going to do that? I don't know how to program. Get yourself a kid, because the kids wouldn't think of that. Again, there's we've got to, in the book I talk about, end the war, the unspoken war between the young and the old would get us working together instead of distrusting each other and thinking the other doesn't have value. Oh, we I all love that. need each other. I love that. That's so perfect. We'll be right back with more from Daniel Burris. I can't believe it's almost over. <laughs> all right, Daniel, we are back. So let's, let's continue You're talking about technology. Go for it. Yes, um, and like I said, you don't have to know how it all works if you have an idea for using it, because there are young people that do. In the book, I talk about ending the war between the young and the ill. You see, if you're young, you look at the older people in your organization, and you think to yourself, whoa, they're like a fossil. Man, they've changed slow. they i got to get on LinkedIn and find a real future. And if you're older, you're looking at the young people, and you're saying to yourself, how is the world going to survive them? And in reality, we've got some distrust, but we need each other. So instead of having this warring, what we need to do is if you've got an important meeting in your company and uh, you've got, uh, you're going to make some big decisions, and if it's all baby boomers, what's the hidden message to all the young people? Well, the only way you can make a difference here is to get old. But that's not the message you want to really be sending. So what we need to do is work, and there's strategies in the book on how to do just that. You know, uh, back to technology then. Um, if you go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com, I've got a list of the hard trends of technology that you can download for no charge. You can go and get it. And uh, I just, uh, it's, it's a really great list. So instead of taking our time, because I know we don't have a lot of time, please just go there. Also, I, I write blogs on this. As you mentioned, I've got newsletters on this. Burris.com is a way to find it. And you mentioned I'm going to give away the book. Let me just squeeze that in real quick so we don't get... Take, take your time. That. Definitely need to have that right. there. Yeah, let me get that. First of all, it's called the Anticipatory Organization. You can get it in any bookstore. Uh, you can get it at the airports. You can get it at Amazon. But for this show, 
if you, you, I'm going to give you a hardcover copy, a hardcover copy, not digital, for free. Uh, you got to pay a few bucks for shipping, so you're going to have to do that. But it'll be FedEx to you before the week is out. And so you go to the book is titled "The Anticipatory Organization." To make it easy, it's the t h e a o book dot com. The a o book dot com, and you can and again you pay for shipping, and I'll give you a free book. And by the way, the reason I'm doing that is because. I know you're going to like it so much. You're going to recommend it to a friend. They're going to go and buy it on Amazon, and I'm going to do it. I'm going to be fine. So there you go. And, and this is a book that really needs to be out there because too many people are saying they can't make a difference, that they can't shift, they can't change, that there's no way an individual or a small business can compete with the big guys. This book changes that. It yeah, gives everybody exactly. the opportunity to look at something and go, oh, okay, I can disrupt and change. I can turn opportunity and I can, I can see opportunities where before all I saw were blocks. Yeah, let's even talk about that word disruption. Most people think disruption is negative. And the reason is well, because it happened to you. Uh, you know, it disrupted your career. It disrupted this or that. And the reason is you didn't see it coming. You got caught by surprise, but all those could have, you could have seen that coming, and that's why I'm teaching you how to do just that. What I want all of us to become is positive disruptors. A positive disruption, for example, Amazon, do they, are they agile? No, they're disruptors, and it's not negative for Amazon. It's just negative for the people that they're disrupting. We can do that. We don't have to be Amazon. We don't have to be Steve Jobs. We don't have to be Microsoft or Google or any of these big companies. Uh, any individual today can can do amazing things because the power of the technology is so good and the cost is almost free for a lot of it that why there's there's almost no barriers. The biggest barriers I said, well look in the mirror. It's your thinking that you can't do it. Well get rid of that thought right away and realize you can. You talk about you talked about pre mortems. It sounds to me that when you're getting ready to be a positive disruptor, you, the pre-mortem becomes a critical part to making sure that there's long-term success, not just short-term success. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. And uh, so that means, like, for example, I've launched an uh, online learning system around the anticipatory organization a couple of years ago, and it's been an award winner and it's being used by, actually been using, used by the Pentagon for planning as well as small and mid-sized businesses and individuals. So what I did was, before launching it, I designed it the best I could, but then I got all these different people to use it and tell me why it wouldn't work, why it wouldn't work in their company, why it wouldn't work in their organization, why it wouldn't work for them. So, and I, I got all of the reasons why it wouldn't work, or problems or issues, solved every one of them until none of them could come up with any more. And when none of them can come up with any more, hey, I'm ready to launch. And what happened? I don't have problems to solve. I pre-solved them. You know, this isn't that hard. We can all do that. Heck, it saves you a lot of time. Matter of fact, that's another thing I do and I teach in the book. I, uh, when I started out, as I said, I was a teacher. I didn't have a lot of money. So what I do? I learned how to fail fast because I couldn't afford to fail slow. So there's ways that you can fail fast instead of failing slow, which, by the way, is expensive and takes up a lot of time. 
So there's all these tools. Another one we didn't talk about in this interview is how to take your biggest problem and skip it. Frankly, the skip it principle is worth the book right there. I know. Uh, I, I, I could talk to you for hours more, Daniel, because there's so much content in this book, which is why everybody needs to get a copy, and you're making that happen. Well, thank you. You know, the, the skip it principle is powerful because whatever problem you've got, that's not it. That's why you can't solve it, working on the wrong one. And there is a way to find the right one, which actually is totally solvable. Um, okay, run so, through skip it. We have like a couple of minutes. Just give a quick I'll example a, of skip it. All right, I'll give you a really quick example. Uh, my niece just called me, and uh, she's got her first job, and she said, Uncle Dan, I, I really can't save any money. I'm working hard at saving money, but I can't do it. Um, and she knows it's possible because her older sister has a job and can save money like crazy, but probably can't save money. So I said, well, that's because you're working on the wrong problem. Um, you've got to work at how you spend money. If you work at how you spend money, you'll save money by default. You see, she was trying to save but not working on spending. She was working on the wrong problem. Most of us are stuck because we're working on the wrong thing. Or we are doing it because we think we have to and you can skip it all together. Uh, do I got 30 seconds yet? Yeah, you got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Okay. I've got a guy who's been a successful chief marketing officer. He was going to go back to school and uh, get another degree in marketing so that he could do his own consultancy. And I said, well, that's going to take time. Why don't you skip that whole thing? You've already been a CMO. Why don't you just start doing it now? And I talked about how we could do it and how we could launch it. didn't take long for him to get the light and see, well, you know what? I don't need to do that. I just thought I needed to do that. Now, by the way, I'm not putting down going to school, but in his situation, he thought he needed to do something, but he really didn't. He skipped it. That's perfect. Perfect. So we've just got a couple of minutes left, Daniel. Remind everybody again how they can get on your list and how they can get a copy of the book just for shipping. Yes, go to the, T-H-E-A-O, book, theaobook.com. And again, you've got to pay for shipping, but I'll get you uh, that hardcover copy of the book. And you can go to Burris, B-U-R-R-U-S dot com and find all kinds of resources that you would uh, like and be able to use. And the biggest thing is uh, you have much more capability than you think you do. You have. You have more power than you think. I would like us all to shape a better future, actively shape it, not be a passive receiver, but an active shaper of the future to create a better future for yourselves, for your family, for your employees, for the people that you work with. If we're all doing that, we're going to have a much better future than sitting back and having a wait-and-see attitude, which, by the way, I, I don't like. I think you may not like it if you do that. I, it's just such a, a great way to end the show, for everybody to be an active shaper of the future. My listeners very much want to make a difference in the world. They're entrepreneurs. Some just don't know how to start. You're hard trend and soft trend. You've got that list of hard trend lists up at Burroughs.com for people to look at in case you're just stuck and you need some ideas. Everybody grab a copy of the anticipatory organization. Go to theaobook.com and get your free copy just for shipping. Daniel, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and, and sharing with my listeners these amazing concepts that everybody has access to. It's really been my pleasure. Thank you for having me on. It, it's a joy to have people on, and I want to thank John David Mann for uh, introducing us because he's just one of those people that 
helps me shift my own thought processes to the future <laughs> with his writing and the things that he's doing and uh, introducing me to amazing people like you. So everybody is listening. Remember, the right questions can truly change your life. So what are you asking today? And are you looking in the rearview mirror, as Daniel talks about? Future forward thinking, everybody. See you next week. Hug someone you love. You've been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.